Hello and welcome into Brewcast for Amazing Brew on the SB Nation Podcast Network. I am Luke Yardy, joined as always by Anthony Broom and Chris Castellani here with you Monday, May 3rd. A big day when this pod comes out tomorrow, especially for Anthony and Chris. I don't know if you guys want to get it out of the way right now for the podcast listeners not joining us here on YouTube or, or Twitch, you know, uh, with, with it being Star Wars Day tomorrow and whatnot. So, you know. I was wondering where you were going with that. Like, I had no idea where that was going. Yeah, um, that's right. You know, through, that- all, through all the nonsense and some good nonsense that's gone on throughout the sports world, I completely forgot that tomorrow is, yeah. in fact, uh, <laughs> Star Wars Day. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a big day. So when the pod comes out, right. you know, if you're listening on the pod, may may the fourth be with you. There we go. We'll we'll, we'll do that for you. Uh, but we we got a lot of fun on the show here today. I mean, we got some good news out of the basketball program. We're definitely gonna uh, be talking about that to begin the show. Do a little NFL draft recap. A pretty good weekend uh, for the Wolverines, and then uh, a bit of a polarizing thing that happened over the weekend on Saturday as well. That we'll we'll touch on. We'll also get to your questions and your comments if you're here. With with us live on YouTube or Twitch. Uh, please feel free to jump in the conversation, leave the leave the comments, ask some questions. We're going to get to it all here. Um, but first, man, how are we doing here, fellas? How are we doing? Uh, other than the schizophrenic weather, I mean, good. Get a, get a couple days where we get the tease of 80 degrees and, and what will hopefully be the first of many 80-degree days coming uh, in the summer season. And we go back to 60 and rainy. So, um must be nice. Was it still snowing in the UP? It was. Uh, it was about forty-four today with a little rain. Wow, really? It's, yeah. it's it's crazy how we're literally we're worlds apart. But again, right. here every Monday night at seven thirty live, and then for the other people, we uh, we do the replay. So you you don't hear it live. Again, a reminder: we'll take your questions and comments and such throughout the show. Uh, we'll not we'll display them on the live stream throughout the show. We'll see if we have time later to maybe take a few at the end of it. Kind of have a packed show today, but yeah, doing well. Um, Chris, well done um, with your. You had a rant, uh, a little throwback rant earlier yeah. today on Locked On Tigers. Uh, shout out to you and your podcast there. Um, completely justified, by the way. I think absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's telling about the state of that team that you can come like this. Coming back to a Michigan podcast or you know where football will be talked about whatever yeah that's 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 a peaceful release for you how bad um, is it that michigan football is the savior that's that's my getaway <laughs> the team that you want to you want to go through the depth chart tonight we want to just dive you're, right into you're it, in the bad place stuff. chris you're yeah, in the, the bad team place caused us nothing but pain over the last 365 days that's that's my solace no i'm, I'm with, i i'm with you completely I, I appreciate the 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 shout out there uh, yeah, Tigers didn't lose today, so I, I don't have a whole lot to be uh, upset about. I am, uh, to be honest, I actually really am looking forward to to this show because I think that we have some some really neat stuff planned, and I, it seems like the basketball program hopefully uh, is getting to a point that the football program is where there's ne- content never stops, and uh, we're going to talk about it. But I I was a big fan of the news that came out uh, over the weekend, and um. Yeah, I, I, the, the basic summary I feel like of this uh, podcast already will be, I think hiring Juwan Howard was a pretty good idea. Yeah, I, I'd say that's a, a pretty good. You know, yeah. I, I think that's a fair statement. You're not probably not going to get too much pushback on that. Uh, but yeah, like you said, Devonte Jones, reigning Sun Belt Player of the Year. 
Uh, this is just a, a, another thing for the Michigan basketball program. Obviously, uh, coming from Coastal Carolina and uh, played three years there and had three fantastic years at Coastal Carolina. Freshman of the year, second team, uh, all-conference, and then conference player of the year a year ago. And kind of just sounds, I mean, I'm not going to compare him necessarily to Mike Smith, but it's probably going to be in that similar similar role here, you know, for, for the Wolverines. We know what Mike Smith did uh, at Columbia, came over and really adjusted well uh, to playing in the Big Ten. And Devontae Jones a bit bigger at 6-1, uh, scores the ball similarly, I'd say, averaged 19.3 points per game last year. Uh, we'll, we'll see exactly how he fits in with the rest of the offense, but uh, going to have some weapons to play with obviously, uh, with, with the number one recruiting class in the country coming in. Uh, interestingly, we haven't touched on this. Franz has still not entered his name uh, into the NBA draft, which which I do find a little odd, but uh, maybe taking his time and, and doing some feeling out here. But um, for for the assumption, I think we're just going to assume Franz isn't going to be on the team when, when we talk about Devontae Jones. Uh, it'd be a nice surprise, but I don't think any of us really expect that to happen here. But like you said, Chris, uh, this is a huge get, man. And this is something that, you know, Jawan probably didn't want to hand it off to uh, Zeb, if he didn't feel like he was ready, but uh, I mean, y- you add the best players that you can, and this was definitely one of the best, you know, uh, transfer prospects that Michigan could land. Anthony, I'll let you go ahead because I, w- I want to go last here. Okay, yeah, no problem. Um, it's big, and you know, anytime you can add a guy who I don't, I should pull up the numbers. This is poor show prep on my part, but I believe averaged about 19 points per game last yeah. year. Again, it's in the Sun Belt, so there's going to be uh, Sun Belt. I believe quality wise is um, maybe even a little bit lesser than the Ivy League, so that's something to keep an eye on. But um, Sun Belt Player of the Year, a guy who is going to come in and be your lead guard right away. Um, there are pros and cons to it, uh, from my point of view. I mean, the pro is obviously your your starting backcourt is set. Yeah. Uh, Jones will start. Eli Brooks will start. Uh, this allows them to keep him off the ball, which I think is where he's played best in his Michigan career. And, um, you know, what do the other guys look like? I mean, I guess it depends on who stands out in camp and things like that. But um, this is this is big for them. And there's going to be an adjustment for Jones, just like there was for Mike Smith. Um, you know, Mike Smith did such a good job that, like I said, it's hard to get a feel for what the expectation is or what it should be. But you brought in someone's conference player of the year, uh, to me, probably the top transfer guard that was on the market at the time of uh, of his acquisition, and and you go from there. Uh, the cons to it would be you do like at some point you want to find out what you have in Zeb Jackson. Yeah. Frankie Collins is a top fifty guy. Uh, Kobe Bufkin's a top fifty guy. But the way that things are right now is this is the Wild West in roster acquisition, roster building. If you just gave Zeb Jackson the reins, who's to say, you know, who knows what the future of any of these guys are? I'm not saying mm-hmm. anyone's leave, staying or leaving. So um, you've got the bird in the hand now. It allows you to bring along a guy like Collins, who Collins isn't a one and done. He's probably not even a two and done. This, he's going to be a one of those program type of point guards that, that takes some time. And um, if you can bring a guy like that off your bench to be your backup point guard, I think that's that's a positive for them. Um you know, what it means for Zeb Jackson, we'll see. Uh, I know he they want him. He's playing more of a combo guard role, too. I think he might be best served off the ball. We'll see what happens with that. But all of a sudden, where guard depth was a question mark, 
Eli Brooks is back by the grace of maybe the only positive thing that's happened over the last year as it pertains to COVID is that Eli Brooks will be back next year to be the veteran leader on a really young team that all of a sudden, I mean, you worry about, I know it's a number one ranked recruiting class, but this team went to the lead eight last year and that's not easy to do. All of a sudden it goes from, ah, well, okay, see what these young guys do and get to the second week of the tournament and see what happens. And all of a sudden, the floor just gets a little bit higher. Uh, yeah. Again, we'll see how the roster shakes out. Maybe there might be some kind of miracle in terms of who doesn't go or who stays. I don't know. That's not me teasing anything. But um, assuming that Franz is out and assuming that Hunter Dickinson is back, you have to really like what they have here right now. This is a big, big-time get. The transfer portal's here. It's the future of college basketball. And uh, when you have a coach that statistically is recruiting better than everyone else because you have the number one ranked class in the country and he's hitting the transfer portal as hard as anyone else or or he pretty much he's just getting he's pointing and getting who he wants that's you just have to feel and he's answered the x's and o's questions you just have to feel just a massive sense of relief that every year this michigan roster will be packed and maxed out to the best of its ability to hopefully get past the elite eight, get back to a national title game and maybe win one. This made me shockingly happy. Like I I was incredibly fired up about this. Now for next year's team, it's great. This dude can ball. Steven's video about it was excellent. This guy is going to be a gem. He's going to fit right in with this system. But what I love is what it means symbolically. And I, I'm not saying that Michigan basketball right now has this kind of pedigree, but I feel the way I think a lot of Ohio State football fans feel, where no matter what, no matter who's leaving, no matter which quarterback's coming and going, you know every year they're going to have their guys. Every year they're going to have a top five team. You know, when, when Dwayne Haskins left, we said, okay, is this the opportunity? Nope, Justin Fields stepped right in and was even better. Mm-hmm. And they're going to lose Fields this year, and, and no matter who they get, uh, I'm sure he's going to be just as good as almost anybody else in the Big Ten. That's the kind of system they have. The fact is, and I'm not saying this wasn't the case with Beeline necessarily, but I mean, you look at the recruiting record, it wasn't amazing. He did the best with what he had by by far, but this is the place to be now. This is the place people want to come to. This is is where the the eyes of the college basketball world uh, are on the University of Michigan at this point. The word is out. This is a program and a coach that you want to play for. And the and last year, I think as good as the recruiting class was last year, I think we're going to look back and say that what Mike Smith and Chandy Brown brought to this team and what they got out of coming to Michigan, I think is going to be a bigger game changer than even the Dickinson recruit. Because now bring 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 everybody, bring your huddled masses, bring whoever whoever fits into this system because you're going to come in here and you're going to fit into this system, into this program. I think this is, uh, this is huge. And, and I have, I've already talked to people who said, ah, you know what, next year, you know, they had a shot this year and they had a great team, but I don't know how good they're going to be next year. No, I'm telling you, they're going to be freaking good and they're going to be good the next season. They have built something here that is not only set to be good next year, but to be good going forward for the next several seasons. Cause Juwan Howard is the, the Tasmanian devil when it comes to recruiting right now if he who he wants he gets and there is something so it's like flashing back to the tigers here for a second remember in the dombrowski era when like when somebody became a free agent you were like yeah that guy might sign here 
And sometimes they didn't get their guys, but a lot of times they did. And they brought in Fielder and Victor Martinez and Torrey Hunter. And there was a point where it's like, if you want to play here, you want to win, you go to Detroit. I feel that way about Michigan basketball now, where this has officially become the place to be, I think, in the Big Ten and maybe in the country. And the Devontae Jones pickup just solidifies that. I think he's going to be an awesome addition here. Basically, every piece that Juwan has brought in, starting with saving the Franz Wagner recruitment, which he did. I mean, there were a whole lot of people who thought he wasn't going to even end up coming here when Beeline left, has been has ranged from a mild success like a, like Terrence Williams was to an overwhelming, oh my God, this guy is one of the best players in your program uh, type of success like what Dickinson and Chandy were. So um I believe in the direction that it's going and th- maybe it's because it is the off season. So we got some time to kind of let this marinate, but yeah, puff your chest out and be fired up about this. This is, this is not something that we've seen here in the past and uh, maybe it won't be something we're going to see here again. They're in good hands. Well, and, and it starts and ends with this, the criteria that was laid out at the beginning of Jones, uh, Devante Jones's transfer recruitment was I want to go somewhere where I have a chance to win a championship. Mm-hmm. And that's not the first time you've heard that from, guys that are coming here, you know, as transfers the last couple of years and the recruits, this is not only a, a good place to be, the brand is strong, the coach is strong. It's a place that guys know they can come and they're going to have a chance to hang a banner mm-hmm. there. I mean, COVID year aside where they didn't play a tournament, Michigan's one for one there. Yeah. We can call that year zero. As far as I'm concerned, last year being the first full season of the Juwan Howard era, you hung a banner and you almost hung a second banner without your best player. Yeah. And and you could make the argument that what he did in year one, given the roster and the way that, and Beeline left the program in good standing, but the fact that considering what they'd lost, that they overachieved, like for Mm -hmm. them to be, what was probably going to be like a, a seven seed second round team. You look back at that team compared to the roster they had last year it is night and day, and I think that's going to be the kind of turnover we're going to have here. It is a very exciting time to be a Michigan basketball fan right now. It's really interesting to watch him navigate uh, a new era of team building, you yeah. know, because we had the long-standing one-and-done era, but Anthony kind of alluded to it. It's, it's turned into the transfer portal era, but he's. I think there's a happy medium in there, you know, and it's it's kind of cool to watch him navigate it that way because as of now, obviously, the Devontae Jones, this is the first transfer portal signing for Michigan this year, so we don't know if there are going to be any more dominoes to fall. But like Anthony said, the backcourt is set uh, with Devontae Jones and Eli Brooks. You, you have this recruiting class coming in. If, if Zeb stays, I believe Terrence Williams is going to be staying. I think Hunter Dickinson's going to be back. So you have – experience coming in with Devontae Jones, obviously experience returning with Eli Brooks and uh, Hunter Dickinson and some guys who got some tick off the bench. Then you bring in these extremely talented freshmen and there, there has to be, you know, like a, a cohesion of all three of those. I feel like are really important to winning in college basketball here today. So for him, like, like we've said in year number three here to, to kind of be navigating it on the fly, but doing as well as he is, I mean, it's cool to watch. And on top of all that, man, he's a good coach. You know, it's not <laughs> like helps. he's just a good recruiter. Like he's a good coach. He's good at teaching the game and he's good and get he's good at getting guys to play well together. I mean, that's that's far and away the the biggest piece of the puzzle. And he's got it. Well, you nailed it too. I mean, the the coach, the programs that 
can nail the recruiting trail and and maybe steer. Now, I won't say steer clear of the one and dones. I think the G League is going to kind of level yeah. the playing field, so to mm-hmm. speak, because all those guys are going to Duke and Carolina, and um, you know those coaches like the Coach K's that you're seeing with Tom Izzo now starting to bring transfers in too. Um, the programs that can nail it on the recruiting trail that are nailing it in the transfer portal. And like you said, a, a cohesion, a, a, a mixture of that. They're not just going to win. They're going to stay winning. They're going to stay good. I mean, this might be what creates the next kind of wave of quote unquote blue blood programs. So um, Michigan's throwing themselves into the conversation. I think it probably takes, I mean, they're, they're essentially there right now. I'm, I'm talking under Jawan. Um, we'll see how it keeps developing. Uh but what we've seen so far, he's he's nailing it, and he's passed every benchmark with flying colors. I don't think a lot of a lot of people we know what the narratives are about his hiring, and, and you know some of them were on this show early on. But what else can you say about the guy? He's 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 passed every single test, every single one, he's except mad. for the two biggest ones you can pass, which haven't had the chance to do yet. Right. Yeah, no, I'm with, I'm with you completely. It's uh, it's a very fun, exciting time. And I'll, I'll say this before we move on. I know nothing about Franz Wagner. I would still say I am 90% sure that he's going to go pro. But the time he's taken is worthy of a hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Because even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't go, or I'm sorry, even if he goes, it is clear he's putting some thought into this which reaffirms our belief that's obviously true that there's something magnetic about playing for Juwan Howard. Um, Because there's – and look, I know he had a horrible game against UCLA. There's no reason why Franz Wagner shouldn't go pro. He has basically nothing left to to prove in regards to his ceiling, his athleticism. He's not going to get bigger. He's not going to get stronger. His his stock isn't going to go much higher, I don't think, playing another year of college. The fact that we got guys thinking about it uh, reaffirms the fact that this will not be a Calipari bring in five five stars. All right, you're gone. Bring in the next five, group of five stars. Oh, these didn't work. Okay, then we got it's it's going to be a program, not in different individual teams, but a whole a, a, a string of three four year guys that are going to do some damage for you. I think that's one of the more exciting underrated parts of this whole thing is that it's not just. NBA talent that's going to be one and done guys. I mean, we, we've had guys stay at this program who have played for two different coaches. I mean, how many times have we collectively thought to ourselves? Yeah. I think Brandon Johns might just, might just end up transferring. He's one of Michigan's best players in the tournament last year. You know, it's, yeah, it's a fun time. I want to touch on this question from, from Steve Schultz real quick, uh, real quick answer. Well, I mean, we, we had six, one and like five, nine last year in the backcourt. Well, let's, big- let's read the question for the people who will be taking this podcast. in. Oh, OK, that's form. right. That's right. Yeah, my bad. <laughs> Come on, Mr. Radio. Yeah, yeah. Does it does a starting backcourt of two, six, one guards concern you? The answer is is no, because obviously Eli Brooks and Mike Smith were fantastic last year. Devontae Jones, a, a bigger, you know, a, bigger than Mike Smith. So no, does does not concern me at all. And, and dude, when was the last time they had a point guard who was over six one because I mean Simpson wasn't Walton I don't think was uh Burke wasn't you you could stretch Burke I guess I mean I, yeah I guess yeah but, but I mean, best if, day, if, yeah if, if he if he had some some good insulation in his shoes he was six <laughs> one yeah so I mean it's yeah I, people do make a 
that's a big deal when your three and four guys don't have size. The fact is Hunter Dickinson is the size of a house and they got, they got a uh, six ten and six eleven guy coming in in Houston. Right. And well, that's here's yeah. the thing too is that you can bring Zeb Jackson off the bench who's six five, and Caleb Houston can probably guard one through four. So mm. if there's a matchup where you're playing a guard with size, I think you have the ability to um, to match that if you need to. So um, it will kind of come down to if you have two six one guards starting that can't score. That might be a little iffy, but we know that Eli Brooks can score. Obviously, Devontae Jones, it's going to be a step up in competition, but he can score. He can play. So um, I'm not too concerned about it. Um, I think we get, I don't know, the, uh, the basketball is kind of getting a little bit smaller anyways, which is mm. crazy to say because Michigan has a seven foot two throwback center yeah. that they they will build their team like- around now. Like Mike Smith did did struggle at times due to size late in the season right. uh, against some of those teams, but I mean, at the end of the day, he was very very good for Michigan last year, and, and Devontae Jones, I don't think would have similar problems. Right, and, and the offense, and I think he's going to be an excellent player. The offense is not going to run through Devontae Jones. You know, if mm-hmm. it was, then it might be a little bit different. But this is going to be it'll be Dickinson's team next year. I mean, if Franz somehow comes back, it'll probably be him. But you know. Him and him and Brooks are going to be the big scorers. And can, can I say something about Franz really quick? Because yeah, I see people talking about it in the chat, and it, you know, everyone always says like right right now he's a lottery pick in a lot of these mock drafts. Yeah. And I mm-hmm. assume when he does the athletic testing, he'll stay there, or even if he just slips a little bit, he's still a first round pick. Yeah. Um, there are fans, and we see this anytime there's an NBA decision to be made that will go. Oh, well, he needs to improve on this. He, he's not so great at this. Like, there's this super Frankenstein. Unless you're the number one pick of the draft, unless you're a top five pick, you have no business leaving because you have things you need to improve on. Um, the guy's right. He, he looks the part. He's ready to go pro. Uh, a lot of these guys, especially when you're, long as, you're as long and athletic as he is, probably will be a little better, a little more of a fit going to the pros because the floor is so much more wide open. It's we always want these guys to stick around. And then if they stick around and don't play as well, it's, Oh, he was a bust. I told you last year that uh, he wasn't, you know, it's, it's, it's the devil's advocate stuff. It's the, um, if he, if you're ready to go and I know people say, Oh, well, if he, if he comes back, his stock will stay the same. The longer you stay in college basketball, it's like the second you drive a, a car off the lot, it loses its value. It's value. So, um, like I understand it's a different sport, but Marvin Wilson just went undrafted in the NFL uh, draft, you know, and, and he was probably at least second rounder at the latest if he comes out if he's, you know, in the draft last year. So the moral of the story is if if you are like you said, if you're a top 10 pick, probably if you're probably a lottery pick. In dude, look no Memphis further than league. Isaiah freaking livers. Yeah, go. I mean, absolutely go. One hundred percent years Don't in a row. Your season ends uh, last year wasn't his fault, but. He was injured last year. That probably affected his pro stock going to the last year when he tested the waters. Now he's in a walking boot for five more months. It's when mm-hmm. it's when you have the opportunity to go, you go. go. So yep. and it's, and I, I mean, I would love to come he's back. Not, for he's sure. not going to come back and be Imani yeah. Bates. He's not going to go to the gym, learn a Texas two-step, and be a top five pick. That's not what he is. So he's already a first-round pick. If he comes back, that's awesome. That's it's great for him. It's great for Michigan. But the fan, like, I get tired of the fans that are just like, oh, well, he's got to improve on this. Um, 
Yeah, he does. But maybe I'd like to improve on that while I'm making millions of dollars instead of making the NCA billions of dollars. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I mean, I'm with you. I mean, maybe there's something to be said about the potential for the, the name image, image likeness thing coming back because obviously he's going to be a bit of a superstar in Michigan, no question, and maybe even nationally. So uh, maybe he's waiting on some details on that. I'm not 100% sure here. Uh, but speaking of uh, drafts, well, we, we just had the NFL draft and Michigan uh, actually, let's see here. They were tied for uh, tied for fifth, the fifth school with the fifth most players drafted. Eight players went from the University of Michigan football team. Um, and that's cool and all. And I understand there, there's, you know, uh, we had one first round pick. The rest were three and later, but to have eight players drafted in the season they just had, man, almost just like I'm happy for every one of those guys that got drafted, but it, it was it was kind of a dagger to the heart a little bit as well. I'm not going to lie. Correct. Yes. Um, happy for all those guys, um, especially look, I, I know the frustration that we we had about last season and I don't take back any of it, but if you're not happy for quitty pay, then you're just a crazy person. Like, like you just, you just don't have a soul. I mean, you talk about a guy who's just had an unbelievable journey. Uh, I only wish we could have seen him more, but I'm happy. I think he's going to a really good situation uh, in Indianapolis there as well. You're right, man. And um, the, the one argument would be, it's not a whole lot of uh, position players necessarily though. You know, I you see guys that like I, I think Nico Collins, even though the Texans are a mess and who knows who their quarterback is going to be under the in the right situation. Nico Collins, I think, has Pro Bowl potential. I really do. Um, Chris Evans is the was the weird one to me. Um, I saw a lot of people saying, hey, this guy was sneaky good at Michigan. You're right. He was so sneaky that Harbaugh forgot he was on the team half the time. But other than that, I, I no real surprises. Ben Mason, I guess, was kind of like, I don't know. I didn't think Ben Mason was really anything special. Like, I remember him fumbling a handoff when uh, Anthony and I were watching a game and <laughs> against Wisconsin in 2019. And every so often he'd make a nice block. But, you know, he's a football guy. He's a Michigan guy, whatever. No, I mean, it's, yeah, you're happy for those guys. But um, it only elevates the temperature in the room regarding the pressure that's on Harbaugh. Because, um, I mean, how many more guys are you going to put to the NFL that, I, I won't say any of these guys necessarily underachieved, but aren't being put in the right situation. Like I don't, I don't feel like Nico Collins was ever lacking in effort or skill set or anything like that. I just think circumstances uh, did not allow him to to reach his full potential. But I think he may in the NFL. So now I'm with you completely. Well, You're happy. He, for won't, he won't have a stable quarterback position. Yeah, I was gonna say he's not right. in a great situation. That's for sure. Oh, yeah, um, um, I felt horrible for him. Yeah, I uh, I know that sucks, but uh, yeah, you, you're happy for those guys. But you're right, man. I mean, it's because how many who had the most players drafted? It was Bama, right? I mean, it had to be. Bama there were, and Ohio uh, State, I think. Yeah, Bama and Ohio State each had ten. Georgia oh. and Notre Dame had nine, and then Michigan and Florida had eight. Right. So that doesn't make any sense because we're talking about four teams that are year in and year out. Even Notre Dame, people make fun of Notre Dame. Notre Dame's in the playoffs like every third year. Twice. Yeah. Right, yeah, they've been in, they've been in there twice. Brian Kelly's done a great job. Yeah, they get their teeth kicked in, but who doesn't? By by the you know the, those, it doesn't make sense that it that those four. Te- it makes sense that those four teams are putting guys in the NFL. It doesn't make sense that the team right behind them, not just this year, but consistently over the last several years, is Michigan considering the success or lack thereof that they've had over the last several years. That is, uh, it's maddening. Well, it's frustrating in that 
you know, we talk about how there's a talent gap with the Ohio States, the Clemsons, right. and the Alabamas of the world. Sure, recruiting-wise, yeah, there is a talent gap. And when push comes to shove, a lot of these teams have better athletes than you. But Michigan brings talent in. Um, you don't have eight to ten guys drafted every single year because you you don't bring in guys. Um, it's not even that they don't develop these guys either. I mean, they're pro. It's not like a Marvin Wilson situation like Luke alluded to where dude is a former five-star recruit and goes undrafted. Or Dylan Moses, mm-hmm. who I think went undrafted or came off the board really late. And once you once you get into the sixth or seventh round, it's kind of a fever dream for me. But um, yeah, uh, it seems like in every draft profile that Trevor and I wrote this year, one of the knocks against the players was that there's either not enough film or the production wasn't there. Or mm-hmm. um, I think the Packers listed Carlo Kemp as a linebacker when they announced uh, or. He, he signed with them as an undrafted free agent. That's the second Michigan defensive lineman that they've brought onto their roster since Rashawn Gary that played defensive line or played, you know, kind of a big defensive line role at Michigan and moved them to linebacker. So yeah. it, it speaks to, you know, Rashawn Gary was drafted to be an edge rusher. He was a run anchoring defensive end at Michigan. It's just, it, it's so... It's so, 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 so frustrating. Um, and it's good for the program in that they can they still can technically sell, yeah, we're sending guys to the NFL. Yeah. But every time I heard Jim Harbaugh's name this weekend was, oh, James Hudson, offensive tackle, Cincinnati. What's he known for? He's known for beefing with, uh, with Jim Harbaugh on his way out the door. That was what the broadcast yeah. led with. Rashad Weaver, who is in trouble for other things now, but a guy who – had had his offer pulled by Michigan and um, winds up going to Pitt and being a being a, a fourth round pick, I think it was. Again, not a good dude dealing with some other pretty ugly stuff right now. But um, the narr- like it's the narrative all weekend is the guys ben- Benjamin St. Just he was the highest uh, you know former Michigan defensive back. He was drafted higher than Ambry Ambry Thomas was. Um, wasn't either wasn't good enough to play at Michigan or. There was the the weird medical retirement was the deal with him. It's just the narrative all weekend was that these guys left Michigan and got drafted, or the guys that Michigan had drafted should have gone much higher. Cam 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 McGrone, still a tongue twister to me, has the talent to be a top fifty pick in the NFL. Now the torn ACL didn't help him, but he slides Mm -hmm. into the fifth round. well, how much of like Ambry was his his medicals? Because I know he had to to sit out because uh, he had some medical issues. Sure, I mean, like, the I, Cowboys I, the Cowboys took a couple of corners ahead of him that I would have much rather had Ambry Thomas. I'll tell you yeah. that right now. Well, that's because the Cowboys are the Cowboys too. Sorry, not 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 the sure. dog on your team. But... Coming from a Lions fan, that really hurts. <laughs> hey hey, we had four <laughs> hours to hash this out the other night, yeah. uh, which did well by the way. Uh, we had set a yeah. modest goal of five hundred. We raised 600 bucks. So thanks to everyone who tuned into the draft stream. Uh, shout out to the people at Chad Tough. It was a good time. We'll do something again like that soon. But um, yeah, um, I feel like if you're a day, like a day two pick means that teams see you as a starting caliber player. And Michigan had wound up having four of those guys. So that's that's good and fine. Quiddy Pay is a first rounder. That's great. His best that's football, great. I think, is still ahead of him. So, um, so right here too. Uh, I want to shout. Let's let's toast media here in in the YouTube comments saying, you know, we we haven't developed anyone in six years. Um, 
like I I'll grant you that they've missed uh, on developing a lot more than they've hit, but Quiddy Pay was just a four, was a 487th rank recruit, you know, coming into college. He was just picked in the first round. This was like 21. the 10th starting defensive lineman that they've had yeah. drafted under Harbaugh. So like they they like find they've done guys. a good job with with defensive linemen at least. I would argue they find guys and they do develop them, but they put them in roles where um they might like we're they're just not set up for again we know that the they're just they don't play the role that they should um nico collins by god i mean look at mm-hmm. look at the testing numbers that guy could have been a second round pick there are some years he'd be a first round pick if the production was there but they looked at him four times a game um mm-hmm. ambry thomas i mean third round has kind of been the sweet spot for some of these michigan defensive backs that have been drafted under Harbaugh. So I don't, again, um, I, I think that that's a great spot for him, by the way, going to San Francisco. Yeah, really yeah. good. Um, no, I think the good thing about these guys that get drafted is they usually wind up with teams where I think they're going to do pretty well. Jalen Mayfield is going to go to Atlanta, probably not a tackle at the next level. They're going to have him come in and compete at left guard right away. But again, someone who played out of position at Michigan because the testing numbers suggested he was a guard too. So, um, I'll tell you the one fit that I do like. Chris Evans going to Cincinnati. Um, now, they're, for whatever reason, don't seem all that interested in protecting Joe Burrow. They keep trying to build a, a fantasy football team, giving him all these toys and whatnot. But Chris Evans, uh, Joe Mixon can't stay healthy, and they don't really have a, a number two running back there. So, um, and I What a story to, there, by the way. Chris Evans, when I talk about redemption. He's going to have a shot to do something there. So um, Michigan develops guys, they recruit guys. But again, the story has been when push comes to shove, who's being put in the right. I mean, Ben Mason took defensive line reps at Michigan. Are you kidding me? I hope he does at Baltimore too. Well, we'll see. They had a long snapper drafted though. Shout out Cameron Cheeseman. Yeah. I, well, I, I had to remind you who it even was. No, I I, there. I was saying because he was, but there was another one drafted too. I mean, is, there were is two long snappers, thing? two long snappers drafted in a row. I think. Yeah, but, it, has that always been a thing? Because I don't. I feel like I. I was gonna say that that felt weird. I'll be honest no. with you. Like like good for Cam Cheeseman. Like no question, but I, I feel like that's not really a thing, man. No, <laughs> uh, Bob Quinn drafted a long snapper, and he didn't like in his first draft, I think it was, with the Lions, and was roasted for it. And the dude didn't even make the team. So, I don't Well, haven't the Lions have this have had the same long snapper for like 20 years now? Don Muehlbach, baby. It's a Hall of Famer. There's a whole wing of the Hall of Fame waiting for him. <laughs> yeah, it's just, I mean, like you said, the program they get to tout how many players they got drafted, but it's all it all comes down to you want to compete in college football, you got to put skill guys yeah. in in the first round. I mean, you you just look at that picture of the Alabama receivers. You know they did the Photoshop of uh, them that picture of all them in their Bama jerseys, and then you know the the NFL jerseys. That's that's what it takes to win championships. You know, especially in today's college football, you got to put skill position guys in the first round. You got to have that talent. Yeah, I mean, Alabama's kind of the, the, I won't say the exception to the rule, but like to have four guys go in the first round is insane. Um, but even LSU, I mean, you have two guys that went in the first round, Justin Jefferson last year, Jamar Chase this year. Terrace Marshall goes in the, uh, I think, the second round to Carolina. So, 
Yeah, Michigan, um, I don't think they've had a receiver taken in the second round since Funches, right? Yeah. And he's the highest since Braylon, which was Oof. 2005. So that's who, what it comes down have, to. Uh, if someone would have told you that when those guys came in in the 2017 class, what would you have thought? That none of them would have been taken uh, they transferred. before the third round. <laughs> um, th- that the program would be on shaky footing heading into year seven, and that right, right really- anyway. I guess. <laughs> yes, that's, that's where we're at. <laughs> yeah, those that that 2017 class when when the 30 the 30 for 30 comes on what went wrong with the Jim Harbaugh era, that 2017 recruiting class will be. A major part of it so but i'm not trying to be negative uh we'll save that for the end of the show yeah i, I mean we're, we're pretty close unless chris has anything more to, to touch on that no i think you guys covered it so uh we did have a little controversy here hey uh on saturday uh obviously as we all know uh michigan state the, their streak ended of getting a player drafted but um well, uh, a Michigan coach, and let me let me get the name here, uh, Coach Ryan Osborne. He actually just came over from UT Martin. That's why I'm not as up in arms about this as everyone else is. Like, if this was Josh Gaddis, I get it. But, like, Ryan Osborne didn't have a damn thing to do with that loss to Michigan State. You know, like, like I get it. Like, Michigan lost, and, you know, you, you, you shouldn't troll him or whatever, but he's probably looking at it like, man, that didn't have anything to do with me, and I, I kind of agree with him. Like, is it a great look? No, but are, are people like – like, I've seen it, you know, framed as like a cell phone and stuff like that. It can't be a cell phone if he didn't have anything to do with it, you know? No, but you got to read the room. You, you got to read the room in that situation. Uh, I mean, for people who don't know, what, what did he say? That there was the article that was posted that said Michigan State built that. He just, he all he said was, you hate to see it. You know? Yeah, he posted with the, the caption, you hate to see it. I just like, this stuff drives me nuts. And it probably drives me more nuts than other people because this is a very personal rivalry to me. But like, I give Harbaugh credit for this. His whole social media uh you know, uh, fiasco. I mean, I can't really call it a circus that he'd had for so long is gone. I don't, I don't know if he's tweeted in like months and if he does, they're all generic tweets. I think because he realized that he doesn't really have a leg to stand on anymore. There's the tweet for the people who are watching it, uh, in in the chat. So at this point you go into the submarine and there's no way to, if you try to take any shot at your rivals at this point, especially state, you are rightfully, uh, you know, clap back at with the fact that you played a team that had 10 minutes of practice, didn't know who their coach was for a month, and was 24-point underdogs against, and a quarterback that ended up transferring to the MAC, who you made look like Patrick Mahomes. Uh, you just, you can't. You, you can't do it. And, and so it's like, this is why it's, and I get your point, Luke, but like, this is why Michigan football is a joke to a lot of people. They're not the biggest joke. Like they're not, they're not, you know, what Rutgers was under Chris Ash. But if you're going to make if, if it's target practice at this point, read the room, your team sucks. I don't care if you both, this is your first year. You can't do, I'm, you, I'm sorry. You can you, you can't do that under those circumstances. You just got to shut up and you got to take it. And by the way, who cares about a draft streak? Everyone is up in arms about it on both sides. Who gives a rat's ass? I would trade eight draft picks. Hell, I'd trade eight first-round draft picks for a win against my rival when I'm favored by 24 points. Like, that's just one of those things that people, you know, like to make a big deal about. 
Uh, Colton Pouncey did post a great article on The Athletic about how like this was kind of the final culmination of the D'Antonio. I, I understand the D'Antonio era. I understand all of that. I do. But who really cares? Like it's it, it's not like don't make a thing out of it. Go out and win some games. Like like Hunter Dickinson, for instance, posted that thing when Amani Bates decommitted that everyone was up in arm, arms about. I mean, any sane person viewed it as just normal rivalry fodder. fodder it was whatever. But like Hunter Dickinson's big time freshman of the year. Hunter Dickinson's beat Michigan State. Hunter Dickinson w- went to the Elite Eight with second team All-American as a freshman. He's kind of got some 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 uh, room to stand on here. I just it just bothers me. It's just so like prime example of Michigan arrogance that makes me just want to pull my hair out. Like it's the equivalent of, of the Tigers clapping back at the, at the Cleveland Indians. Cause they haven't won a world series since 1948. You lose every day. Shut up. <laughs> like, like, so here, here's the thing on that. It's like, people are talking about the Michigan arrogance, but like you throw it back to December and everyone was pissed off that Michigan showed humility with Ward Manuel saying Ohio State deserves to go to the Big Ten championship game and stuff like that. I know, but but like the same people who are mad at this Fair. Michigan, this Osborne thing, were mad about that too. And it's just like, I mean, you can't win, I guess. Like it's you, not, you know, it's not even it's not arrogance. You know what it is? It's aloofness and lack of self awareness. Yeah, okay, that's, that's what it point. is. Yeah. Um, you know, the, it, it, every fan base is arrogant. Every fan base, every coaching staff thinks they are God's gift to the green earth. They're, you know, all, all that stuff. All that we talk, again, the narratives from what, what are people talking about about Michigan football this weekend? It's that the things I talked about earlier with how Jim Harbaugh was talked about during the draft. It's, you know, the, whatever you want to call it, trolling, ignorance, whatever it is. And I know people say, oh, Michigan had a long snapper drafted. Uh, Michigan State didn't even have a single player. And they still came to your building and right. kicked your ass. Shut up. Right, exactly. They kicked your ass last year. Shut up. If you're going to have an offseason where you don't televise a spring game, you don't you're, you don't let anyone in, everything's quiet, you're going quiet, you're going in the submarine, stay quiet! I don't get it. You have nothing to gain by this. Nothing! Nothing to gain by it. I'm it's with you. It's so annoying and it's I, so I'm, irritating. I'm with you completely, brother. I, that's that's perfect. You're so right. No, you're so right. Like it's if you're gonna honestly, stay quiet, I, shut up and go away till August. I'll, I'll say this honestly: if they would have gone three and what what they go last two, if they would have gone three and three and beaten Michigan State by two touchdowns, I could be like, okay, you're still underachieving every year. But hey, you, you beat them. You knocked them off this last year. You know, yeah, the team was terrible, but you beat them handily. Okay, first year guy. It's just you got to read the room. You, you got like you don't. It's all, like all I've heard yeah. about the all off season is how the rebuild is or the the rebuild with Mel Tucker's going great. Spring practice went awesome. They're getting these transfers that come in, and all I hear about Michigan is that their coaches say something stupid. Their admissions department can't get their recruits to sign with the school because things are so stringent. The head coach gets blasted during draft weekend twice. Uh, you have players all over the board that were should have gone much higher, and their coaching staff didn't put them in positions to win. It's so frustrating. And I know, like, I can't even begin to tell you how annoying it is to deal with all that. So if you're going to stay quiet, stay quiet. Don't tweet. I know you have to do what things are. What's the recruiting message from, from a tweet like that? Yeah. Is it that... 
hey, um, you know, we may not we may not always beat our rivals, but we sure as hell are going to get you drafted in the fifth round. You bet your ass we'll do that. I, I don't get it. I don't understand that. I mean, didn't Jim Tressel come in off uh, Ohio State loss to Michigan and say that they were going to be proud of his kids going up? Like, they lost. They didn't have to stay quiet. You don't have to stay quiet just because you lost. Like, I hate that line of thinking. Like, they brought all these guys in. They cleaned house on the staff for this exact reason, to bring young, energetic guys into the program to lift some energy into it. That's fine. Like, give me more of it. I want more of it. I don't care about that Michigan State didn't have a – what does that mean for the rivalry? What does that mean? What's the message there? What's the takeaway? What Trestle did was a little bit different because that was not a – this was a point like the Simpsons character going, ha ha, like at, at Michigan State for not getting any. But Trestle basically said, we're going to go out next year and we're going to beat Michigan. I don't have a problem with that necessarily, but you, I, I get both your logic. I really do. I just, I, I'm, I'm more with Anthony here where you have like, you have to have some semblance of self-awareness. You can't be Andy Bernard punching a hole in the wall in Dunder Mifflin office because somebody put your phone, you know, in the ceiling. Like you just at least be a little sneaky about it. I mean, don't if you want to say hate to see it with a crying laughing emoji, fine. You screenshot it's it's there's no there's no I don't know. I guess I like creative creativity in my if it comes if something like that comes from Scott Bell, great. If it comes from Lance, if it comes from Ant Wright, if it comes from the Mason Brew account, whatever. That's fine. It just—it's it, so silly coming from. It's just a lack of awareness and aloofness from a coaching staff that, um, new or not, I mean, why? I just don't know what what there is. To I mean, hell, that, the the so. loss to Michigan State probably got this man an opening for him to get in <laughs> there and true. be a coach. <laughs> yeah, he probably not, loves it. He's probably happier than hell that they lost that game last year. Wait, it's again. I'm not hating on the individual. I'm not hating on. It's just it, it's. It's more frustration of what the offseason of narratives have been. Um, and that, like, that's what we're talking We're not talking about the eight guys that were drafted this weekend. A lot of people online are talking about right. the lack of awareness from the program. Again, it's, it's just if you're going to stay quiet and be in a submarine, you could just, uh, just, just think for two seconds. That's yeah. all. It's, it's a bad look. That's all. I, I don't think it's a terrible look. I think anyone should be in trouble. Or, or it's not nearly as bad as when Josh Gaddis, you know, went on Twitter and you know was thumping his chest for why Ohio State deserves to make the playoff. Um, but it, it's just, it's not even. Again, my frustration isn't even with him. It's just everything. It, it's, it's it, yeah. Two, it's two May, weeks, and I'm frustrated. Two two weeks from now, everyone's going to forget about this. Yeah. But like, it's just frustrating that these these coaches and players sometimes as well make this the topic of conversation like with the first half of the show where we're talking about Devonte jones and a team that was in the elite like that is content that's positive that's like it, you're you're driving home the idea that this is a potentially going to be an elite program and we're talking about a coach who sent out a dumb tweet and we have to it was a big deal it's just yeah, i would it goes back to the whole premise of win first and, and then and then put some middle fingers up at people. Until then, it's been it's been too long without success for How many them. Times to have... They're gonna poke the bear. Right, exactly. Yeah. That's all. Um 
Because and, and the frustrating thing it's is, not like Michigan, they have a losing record under Harbaugh against Michigan State, guys. I mean, come on. No, the fact that you don't have a winning record against what Michigan State has been in the last six years no. is embarrassing. I'm it is. With you. <laughs> Can we? Let's just call it like uh, that's that's all. I mean, yeah. two of those losses should have never happened. One of them was a cosmic gift from the football gods. Fine, but um, it's just when when Michigan gets made fun of, it doesn't spark anything in them. I think that's what's frustrating too. Is that when someone else pokes the bear, it's just, um, you know, they turn into. I don't think. I, I, mean, I guess I just mean I don't think Michigan State's a bear. Like three and three against them, they've got three single digit wins against. Who would you, you who over the next three years? Who would you rather be? Would you rather oh, be Michigan? One hundred percent. Are you kidding really? me? What? Okay. The, the, I, I, yeah. With the way I, that they're. That's assuming. Okay. This is where with this the way year is going to be so signed, They just signed a top ten class. Yeah, but they do well, every year. They signed a top five class in 2017, and 20 of those guys played elsewhere and or they, in I jail. Mean, for Michigan State to win two of those games against Michigan, it took a fumbled punt and a monsoon where and, and granted, Michigan's coaching staff was incredibly stupid in that 2017 game. That 100 percent I'll give I'll promise I'll give you that. Mm. But they just two years ago, they just beat Michigan State by 34. You know, they ran them out of the building. Right, but look, look, right, but look what happened. Meaning, which they should have, they should have doubled. Why, that. why would you rather be Michigan State? I really want to know that. I because it seems like the guys there are excited to yeah, be there. Yeah, it seems like something something's being built as opposed to being torn down, which it seems to be at Michigan. I get it. Look, look, you're right. On paper, it should be. Michigan, it, but it should be Michigan every year. Like on paper, Michigan beats Michigan State every year since like 2012. I mean, maybe 13 being the only exception. But besides that, they always have a better recruiting class. They always have more talent. They always have higher paid assistants. They should win this game every year, but they don't. And so it's kind of getting to a point where it's like, I'll believe well, the consistency. Well, why wouldn't you, you want to be the program that should win the game? Like, regardless of whether you do, if you go 500, like, why wouldn't you rather be the program that should win the game? Because I don't feel like they're building to anything. I feel like at best the wheels are continually spinning. And Michigan State, like I'm not, and again, I'm not saying Mel Tucker's Nick Saban, but I get the impression him winning two games with that dog shit roster last year should have won a Big Ten Coach of the Year. They had a bunch of MAC players and they still beat you. And it makes me think, okay, with more talent with his guys, he's probably going to build to something where. I don't have that belief under Harbaugh. Now, with a different coach, I'd probably have a different answer. Like, if they would have let go of Harbaugh and they brought in, let's say they bring in Matt Campbell, I'd probably be on board and say, yeah, I'd take Michigan. But I feel like I, I can't, like, actively be like, oh, it's we're in a better spot when the wheels are spinning in the mud for the last three years. I'm taking the five-star quarterback. That's what I'm doing. That's hey, look, That's hey, fine. I, I, I hope you're right. We all we, win. Can, yeah. can, I, can I cut through this to say, I think this is the first true argument we've really ever had on this show. I was just probably pretty close. I think we've officially Um, reached the point where we're such good friends that we can argue and not give a shit about it. (laughs) I'll forget about this five minutes after. Right. No, and and this is the only team. This is the only team we can argue about anyway. Yeah. I'm going to really argue about with Michigan basketball right now. See the pro. This is my biggest issue is that I don't know if Michigan state football is ruining friendships right now. So, that's why, uh, you know, I give them the not. I don't know. It, it's again, I'm I'm here for all of it. I, I totally get both sides of of the debate. Um, it's just there is, uh, you know, Jim Harbaugh coming into Michigan was you know, he his own words. He was going to bring enthusiasm unknown to mankind, 
And it just seems like all of the and to be fair, people don't want the offseason juice anymore for Michigan because all it does is get people too high and then it crashes down. But there's been nothing like everything that's happened this offseason has either been quiet or a negative or you know yeah. some kind of hurdle or, or something that we talk about on this show that's just kind of annoying. And it just it I got it just it feels like I don't know how many how many more times is year three where it starts to click for Josh Gaddis? Is this was it truly Don Brown's defense holding it back? That's where this year is fascinating because um, they could go nine and three or eight and four, which I I still I think the talent is there to do that. And depending on what it looks like, people are going to see very different things. So I don't know. Um, I just I, I pick a direct. Uh, I don't know. I'm totally frazzled because we're arguing and let's let's let's, let's wrap it up. We're, we're, we're this is a good place to end. It. We're in a good spot. We, do we got? Are we taking any questions? I don't know if I, I, I didn't see. I didn't see any that um, Malachi questions. Malachi wants us to recap basketball to end on a good Again. note. Um, <laughs> Devontae Jones, great sign. Devontae Jones, great, doing a great job. Um, Jawan Howard, home run hire. Um, yeah. Everything's going good there. So go, go on YouTube, watch some highlights of last season. It'll get you fired up. Yeah, yeah, and go watch go watch some highlight tapes of the class coming in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, let's get out of here, man. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's getting quiet and awkward now. So we got to. Yeah. Chris, where can we find you on social media? <laughs> I don't know where to find me at, uh, dude? This is great. This is a great show. I'm, I'm not angry about this at all. At Castellani 2014. That's at C A S T E L L A N I two O. One four. I have another show, Locked On Tigers. That's at Locked On Tigers on Twitter. Uh, my YouTube page is in the link to my Twitter profile. Go to Apple Podcasts, leave a five star review of Locked On Tigers. Go to Apple Podcasts, leave a five star review of uh, the Brewcast and of the programs that we do here on Maze and Brew. We're killing it, putting out good content. Looking forward to uh, what the off season brings. So please follow. Oh, and uh, Instagram as well. Updating stories, posting uh, my post game videos there as well. Chris Castle ninety five. So uh, give me a like, give me a follow on all those platforms, and uh, I appreciate you uh, doing that. Anthony, where can we find you? Uh, well, th- the next location you can probably find me is therapy. Like this needs <laughs> to be something. This will come up. No, just kidding. Is this um, not therapy? You get to just. It is, this is actually very want, therapy. You know? um, yeah. I was I was thinking about yelling um, all weekend. So great, got that out of the way. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Anthony T Broom. Follow the website on Twitter at Maze and Brew. Please, please, please uh, subscribe to not only our podcast but our YouTube channel. We're on Twitch, uh, also on Facebook Live. We've added that to the repertoire. Shout out to everyone who watched live. We're live every Monday at seven thirty. There will be weeks coming up where we take breaks because hey, it's kind of the off season now. Um, so. We'll, we'll see what it's like, uh, what the news cycle is like. We'll probably determine when we take days off. So we'll do our best to keep you abreast of all of that. So um, Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your shows, or wherever you get your shows, your video, we're there. Um, join the Discord. That's pinned to our Twitter page. A lot of good conversations over there. So that's it for my plugs this week. So um, good show. Like to yell sometimes. Sometimes you just got to get it out. But uh Always, always a good time with you, fellas. Absolutely. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Gerdy, L-U-K-E-G-H-I-A-R-D-I. Uh, definitely want to thank everyone that's been here in the, the live chats for Facebook, uh, YouTube, 
and Twitch, man. I feel like we've unlocked kind of a new level of the show uh, with you guys being a part of it. So really appreciate you guys hanging out with us every Monday at 730. And I can only imagine uh, what football season is going to be life like with this. Uh, but uh, really appreciate you guys for those listening on the podcast. Uh, thank you as well. Subscribe, rate, leave a review. And uh, yeah, we're, we're going to keep it rolling here. And, you know, August and September will be here before you know it. For my partners, Anthony Broom and Chris Castellani, I'm Luke Yardy, and we'll see you next time on Brewcast.